1: Stevens, New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt, one word at a time.
0: And Taylor, we have been kicking plot holes in the butt for the last three weeks. This is the fourth week. We really thought that last week's episode was going to be it. It was going to be a three-part series. We are now up to four, but I can tell you that at least for the time being, Four will be it. So uh, for the- I will just
1: say, I am so relieved that it is four. Because if you knew the amount of time that went into this, you'd be like, yes, at least you didn't have to put together material for another one on top of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Maybe we'll get questions about this, and that will evolve into q and A Q&A section on. On plot holes so if you guys have questions that would
1: be so cool by the end yes. of this
0: series let us know in the taylor stevens fan club group and maybe we turn this into a q a and make it a five part series so who yes. the heck knows? and if
1: you're not if you're not on facebook and not in the group which it is a lot it's a, it's a cool place to be just it's small and cozy and we often just share memes of animals and <laughs> book stuff but um uh, some of this stuff comes up in there too but if you're not on Facebook, you can get me directly by email, which is contact at sign com, and send your questions that way. And I might not always answer immediately, but I will get them. I check my spam <laughs> and uh, then they'll show up later on a show. So,
0: all right. So let's pick it up where we left off last week. Awesome.
1: So anyway. In this particular version of this example, the plot doesn't (laughs) require that Jane's kids end up getting dragged into this. And so we're not dealing with linked plot holes. So to create, instead, to create continuity so that these tweaks and these fixes, they don't feel like add-on changes that were thrown in at the last minute to justify this decision that Jane makes, which they very much were, but That's why storytelling is an illusion is you have to build the scaffold for it in such a way that it doesn't appear to be that way. So we need to create continuity so that the tweaks don't feel like they were last minute changes. And so to do that, we follow the arrow all the way through to the other side of the square. And in using this example, we do that by first ensuring that we show Jane being successful in reaching her parents. Or if we can't do that, at least somewhere down the line in the story, like we can't do it right there in that moment for whatever reason, sometimes tension, um, because there's always a balancing act and how much you can reveal in any given scene to keep the story moving. For whatever reason, if you can't do it right then, then at least it has to be clear later that the kids are fine. Kids are all right. They didn't, the parents got the message. And then secondly, when Jane does get kidnapped, we're going to bring that plot hole back out into the open again, a second time, and address it directly again by having Jane acknowledge to herself that this has happened because of her own actions. She did this very stupid thing. She shouldn't have left the room, but she's not sorry about it But because at least her kids will be safe. Her bigger regret is that she wasn't on her toes enough to realize that they had left her phone in the car. If she could go back and change anything, it wasn't leaving the room. It was grabbing her phone because otherwise that phone is going to turn into another plow hole. Because it'd be like, well, why didn't they? Why didn't you leave it in? You got to cover all your bases. And so we need to to make sure that all of those are being addressed along the way. So, what this example with Jane is intended to showcase is not only how even the most obvious eye roll worthy tropey plot holes can still be salvaged, but also how even the most obvious eye-roll-worthy tropey plot holes can be salvaged without having to up end, restructure and rewrite the entor- entire story by using the arrow and the square technique. And if this technique can work for something like this, the most obvious of all obvious tropey plot holes, imagine what it can do for something far more thoughtful, like the plot holes that show up in your stories. And this brings us to two blo- bonus plot hole rules. So rule number four, rules of plot holes, number four, the easiest, cleanest, simplest way to fix a plot hole is to hit it head on. And rule number five, the bigger the plot hole, the harder you have to hit it. And what these two add-on rules are telling us is that one, you can't wish plot holes away by ignoring them or hoping no one else sees them someone's gonna it's just a matter of who how much and how vocal they are two you won't be able to resolve plot holes or at least not in a satisfactory way with hand wavy after the square explanations that attempt to reframe what has already taken place you have to do it before the square and then follow the square through Three, you can rewrite and restructure your story to avoid the plot hole altogether. But that's incredibly time-consuming and difficult, and it risks a whole rash of unintended changes that you're going to have to address as well. Um, you're going to have to accommodate them, and those in turn could create other changes. It's just this massive ripple effect. Or you can address the plot hole directly by facing it head on, pulling it out into the open, going after it with all of the energy and focus of two goats clashing horns. And like we showed in this example with Jane, you do it by bringing the exact issue you're trying to avoid. You just drag it out and you put it on the page. You you put it out there. This is the obvious plot hole. And now we're going to show you what our characters are doing to deal with it and you just wail away at it until you've pulverized anything that it stood on and then you trot off like the damn king of the herd that you are and that is how you deal with plot holes so switching gears just a little bit do you remember that classic plot hole example from lord of the rings that we were talking about before and Remember how I made this point that we were going to separate out the movie version from the book version? So now that we've got all this plot hole knowledge under our belt, let's go back and look at The Lord of Rings again. And let's see how it all measures up or comes together, how any of these plot hole rules would apply to this supposed plot hole. So to do this, I guess we've got to overview the Lord of the Rings story just a little bit. And I'm not going to apologize for spoilers. Books came out like 75 years ago. And they those have been followed by comics versions and international movies. And now these characters are like memes and pop culture staple so if you at this point still have no idea what's in the story enough that this is going to spoil it for you I just that's on you I don't know what to say about that and I'm also not going to apologize for whatever details I get wrong or gloss over because the Lord of the Rings story is insanely long it's incredibly textured there's a bazillion characters with thousands of years of history and I totally get why the Lord of the Rings fandom exists but that is not my tribe So if I get some of this wrong and you think you're gonna come at me to correct me on it. All I'm gonna do is roll my eyes and laugh at you. So just don't. So with all that out of the way, let's take a discussion. Here's what we need to know about Lord of the Rings. So it's this really long fantasy epic that revolves around a really tiny human-like character called Frodo and a ring of power that's imbued with evil. And the ring of power has been missing for generations and for reasons that we won't get into, that ring has come into Frodo's possession. And for other reasons that we also won't get into, A whole host of characters are now aware that the Ring of Power has been found and they would very much like to have it because, you know, power. And this includes the evil entity that originally created the ring. And now that it is known that the Ring of Power has been found, the entire world basically takes a side between Team Destroy the Ring and Team Capture the Ring. And Team Destroy the Ring believes that the only way to save the world is for the ring bearer, Frodo, to return the ring to where it came from which is a fissure, basically, that tunnels into a huge volcano, and these are called the Crack of Doom and Mount Doom, respectively. It's very creative. So this volcano mountain thingy sits within the land of Mordor, Mordor, which is basically ground zero for evil. And meanwhile, team capture the ring, which is aware that the ring has been found, but not sure where it is or who has it, is all about expending every possible resource to find, recover, and return it to the evil entity that originally forged it. And if this evil entity gets that ring, then evil will consume the world. And so the whole entire Lord of the Rings saga is the story of team destroy the ring, trying to get this monstrous talisman back to the crack of doom without team capture the ring, figuring out where they are and getting it to them first. And after nearly 480 some thousand words, I looked it up, of trials and tribulations and wars and death, during which Frodo keeps getting weaker and weaker and has begun to change due to carrying this embodiment of evil around him. He finally gets inside Mordor. He even manages to get to Mount Doom, and then he just can't go any further. So, after 480 some thousand words, we get to the point where he cannot fulfill the mission that this entire series has been set up for him to do. And at this point, all hope seems lost and there is no apparent way out. And then the great eagles of Manoli show up and help get Frodo to where he needs to be and the ring of power is destroyed and the day is saved. So for many people, the arrival of the great eagles presents a plot hole as it appears to open up this logic error the big the eagles weren't any big secret. They had given their help for other things already. So if these eagles were already known to exist and they were already known to carry and or rescue people before, it seems awfully illogical based on the established story logic that those on team destroy the ring would send this tiny little person on this horrific journey that is nearly guaranteed to result in death, if not his death, at least deaths of his companions, rather than just ask the great eagles for help of carrying this ring into Mordor and taking it to where it needs to go. And so they don't do that. And then the eagles arrive to save the the day at the last minute anyway. So to those who are looking at the story from that perspective it would seem like this is a huge plot hole and this is why we have to separate the book version from the movie version so anybody who has read a book and then watched the movie knows that although there are exceptions to this rule there definitely are some movies that are better than the book and we've talked about some of them for the most part it is <laughs> impossible to get everything inside a book into a movie, even if that movie is technically three movies of three hours (laughs) in runtime each. the, The Lord of the Rings trilogy is so massive that the only way to get the story into movie form is to do a lot of condensing, a lot of cutting. And that's why movies are always adaptations. They're adapting this story for visual format and in that process decisions have to be made how do we hold true to the intent of this story without including every single detail and the people who made the lord of the rings movie they kept the eagles but the actual details of the eagles their history the conversations and all that, it's really just glossed over. And so in the movie version, it really could seem like, yes, that is a plot hole. It's been a long time since I've seen the movies. And I know in the story itself, there is a discussion with the Fellowship of the Ring when they get to the elves to decide what to do with this ring of power. How do we destroy it? And I'm pretty certain that, and I know it happened in the book, but I I can't say I remember exactly if it happened this way in this movie. It is established that the evil entity, Sauron, is sort of like a somewhat all-seeing being. Like, he can't see everything, but he's got his eyes in a lot of places. And they can't afford to have him know where the ring is. And the reason they choose to do it in such a small manner with small people and a small band, small band of warriors and dwarves and elves and whatever, is to stay under the radar so that they aren't observed and aren't noticed. And if you have a big, huge flock of eagles, or are they called a flock? I don't know. What do you call a bunch of eagles? Anyway, flying over into Mordor, it's not like. People aren't going to notice. It's not like the bad guy doesn't have his own flying monsters that can go after them. So, even if you're only looking at the movie version, you're still aware, you should be aware that there are reasons for why they chose to go the way they went. And if you're aware of those reasons, the Eagle plot line in the movie version is more of a deus ex machina thing where it's like this um, big sudden surprise, aren't you so lucky? God has intervened to save you type event more than a plot hole. But those movies are really long, and the storytellers weren't real focused on making sure that the whole eagle side of it is going. To be clear, because there's books, you can read the books, right? So, how would you fix that? Like, what would you do? And we know from the rules of plot holes that we hit it head on, we address it in the story itself, and we tweak the details leading up to the square. So, we give our characters the wiggle room they need to rationalize their decision. And then we also make sure that the thoughts on why they've done what they've done are clear so that it doesn't seem stupid, that it's all logical to them. And the movie version does touch on the why they went about it. But because the eagles are not treated in the same detail in the movie that they are in the books, that's where we run into trouble of, well, why didn't the eagles just come in first? And so in the movie version, since it doesn't have the space to deal with all of the intricacies to solve that plot hole so that it is no longer a plot hole, it just needed a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more somewhere to explain it up front of why the Eagles weren't a taxi service, so to speak. Um, Where you can just summon them and say, hey, do this, or where you can just say, hey, I'd like you to help us with this. And one of the ways that this could have been handled, and I am not trying to pretend that I know how to write a movie or that I could have done it better. I'm only doing this, only saying this uh, for the sake of an example. And there may have been many reasons why this wasn't plausible or whatever, but to to counter this idea that it had to be the eagles or whatever you can have a conversation and say hey can we call in the eagles no we can't because xyz and you give your reasons and so then at the end when the eagles show up they themselves do not actually save the day they only carry carry frodo like in in the real story i don't know exactly how it happens in the movie because i don't even know if i ever ended up watching that part but the, the ring has to get to a specific location. And that's why he needed a person to bring it in or something on two legs because it's inside the mountain. And the eagles in the story get him closer to that in the book. But there are ways to articulate it in such a way that you set it up at the very beginning of why that doesn't work. And then you find a solution why when the eagles come in at the end, now it can work. And it breaks that, or I guess it fades the square and there's no longer a direct, oh, this thing is blocking the path. It couldn't work because you've already along the arrow established the logic of it so that by the time you get to that square, it's no longer an issue. The books actually do do that. The books explain that the eagles are their own kingdom. They are sentient beings. They're these massive, massive animals, way bigger than they are in the movie. And they are, they have a purpose. They're messengers and they are not a taxi service. They are royal, and they are not subservient to anyone in the the realms of men and elves and dwarves. They they are their own. They are away from all of this mess. And the only reason that they get involved in the first place is because in the history of the story, once upon a time, the the wizard who's involved in all of this uh, had done a favor for. This king of I think he's the king of the Eagles, and so he's kind of repaying that favor, but he's getting tired of it. He's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do this for you this time, but stop bothering me." Basically, so it's not like they could then say, "Hey, and by the way, we've got this death mission going into Mordor. Kenya, you guys in?" Because no, they're not in. They don't give a crap. They they are not involved in these affairs. And so when the Eagles finally do come in and and get involved at the end. It's like this big, huge, special favor that has been begged off of them and they've been convinced to do it. It's still a little bit du sec but not as much as in the movies, because in that story, J.R.R. Tolkien takes the time to set it up and he tweaks the logic along the arrow along the way so that when it does happen, it makes sense. So all of the things that we've been talking about, how to deal with plot holes, you begin to see that just because you think that's a plot hole, it's mostly not. It's one of those uh, readers not paying attention and so still treated like a plot hole, even though it's not such situations, but it's not all readers either. A lot of people totally get it. People who like follow the whole story. It's just that it's so massive. The, the story is so big that... It's really easy to forget that type of stuff when it's small little things that are inserted throughout. And the only thing that could have been done differently is if maybe a few more reminders along the way of where the eagles come into place that when they do, it doesn't feel like a plot hole. It doesn't feel like, you know, this magic thing that bolts out of the sky to solve all the problems because you wrote yourself into a corner. So that is how all of that would tie together in both the movie version and the book version. And it, it's, again, always about changing, tweaking the logic along the arrow, along the story movement, the story flow, so that by the time you get to the thing that doesn't seem to make sense, you've all that thing does make sense and you just blow right past it and it's no longer a thing. Um, I don't know how we're doing on time, Steve, but if you think that we have the time, I could go into a bit on uh, connected plot holes, linked plot it. holes. Okay, it. so I'm riffing on this. <laughs> I don't have notes for it. But going back to the storyline of Jane and her kids, let's say, for example, that we everything is... As we've already established it, Jane's reasoning for going down to the car to get her phone so she can message her kids, her parents, to tell them to keep the kids away. And in spite of all of that, somehow her kids still get pulled into it because the plot requires them to get pulled into it. If we don't address that separately in its own way, the kids getting pulled into it, then all the work that we've done in tweaking the storyline leading up to Jane's decision to leave the room now is going to feel to, the re- to your audience like they've been misled. And I can give you a, a real life fish example of how I've felt that way when reading books. And this is a technique that Robert Ludlum used to use a lot. And it burned me out on his books. And what he would do is he would have his characters go through all this effort to, for example, get inside a secure facility. We'd see how they scouted the facility. We'd understand all their reasons for wanting to get into the facility. And then we'd see them go through the process of the actual techniques and tricks they used to get past security and whatever. And then they finally get into the facility and then they get caught. That's all fine and dandy. But now it turns out that the people who caught them were like, Well, we knew you were coming, but we just wanted to test you and see how you were going to do it. And congratulations, you passed. And when that happens in one too many stories, it's not cute anymore. It's not entertaining anymore. You as an audience have invested far too much in watching this guy jump through all of these hoops to get to where he needs to be for nothing. And what that causes you to do is just pull back and be like, yeah, I'm not investing in this anymore because you're just going to trick me again. And that's what's going to happen to you also if you go to the effort of resolving all tweaking all along that forward movement to resolve this plot hole. And then all that effort that your character went to gets wasted by the thing that they're trying to avoid. By doing the very stupid thing happens anyway don't advise it at all so how do you deal with it if the thing does need to happen anyway well we go back and we look at our rules for how to deal with plot holes and rule number four which is our bonus rule is the cleanest simplest easy way to fix a plot hole is to hit it head on and the bigger the plot hole the harder you have to hit it and we do that by dragging it out into the open putting it on the page and addressing it directly and saying this could happen so in our example with jane and i am riffing here so i really hope that I get this right. <laughs> like, I don't know how it's gonna, I think halfway through it, I'm like, no, that's stupid. Go back raise. Let's try this again. Um, we need to have Jane acknowledge this as a possibility of what could happen. I could get all the way down there, I could do this, I could get caught and still fail to achieve this outcome that I'm trying to avoid. And we have her debate it to herself: is it worth it? Is it worth it? Am I willing to do this anyway? What, what happens if I don't do this? The kids are guaranteed to get caught if I don't do this. Okay, so if I do this, I risk getting caught and it being pointless, but at least I know that I'll try, I will have tried. So we have to give her the tools, to the, the wiggle room to rationalize the decision. So even though that ultimate outcome hasn't happened yet, we have to address it all the way up front, pull it out into the open. Let's address it. Let's face it. Let's give her her reasons. Let's give her her logic. It doesn't matter if she's right. What matters is that it's right to her in that moment that this is the right thing to do. I would never advise using children as a plot device like that. It's a really way to lose your a really good way to lose your readers if they don't already trust you really well that those kids are not going to get hurt. But you can resolve that too by tweaking the details somewhat so that maybe Jane's father has connections somewhere. Maybe he knows someone who might be able to help him to protect the kids as well. So if she can just get that message to him even if the kids are in danger, at least he'll know it's coming and he can do something to the best of his ability. Depending on your story, you might be single point of view. You won't be able to show what happens once she makes that, gets that message through. But you can relay in her mind a general sense of what he might be capable of so that as the story progresses, Let's say she finds out that the kids got dragged into it anyway. She can have her doubts. I'm not so sure they're telling me the truth because I know my dad. And as long as he got that message, he probably would have done this and done that. And my mom, she's a this and she's a that. They knew, they knew they would have done something. Those kids have to be safe. And we keep bringing it out into the open as the story progresses. And not only does that fix the plot holes in the sense that we're just plowing right through them and they're no longer an issue. It actually helps deepen the character helps add tension to the story. Because when you're inside your character's heads up close like that, and you can understand their reasoning, you're still not guaranteed of the outcome. And since you're not guaranteed of the outcome, you only know what their hopes are and what they're trying to accomplish. Then you've raised the stakes because the stakes are what happens when they don't get this thing that they what are the consequences how bad are the consequences right so when you have linked plot holes where by changing one thing it leads directly into an outcome that the character was trying to avoid in the first place you salvage that by writing that same arrow all the way through bringing it back into the open clashing with it head on addressing it making sure the char- the character's thoughts are rational the only difference between doing a single plot hole and linked plot holes is you can't drop the link you can't just focus on the first one and then pretend that the second one isn't directly related and let all of that work and effort be for waste because the thing happens anyway you've got to keep writing it straight through And follow that for the continuity so that by the time you hit the second one, you've already been establishing it along the arrow, along the way, and you just plow through the second one as well. And a third, if there's a third one after that. But it's the continuity and the addressing it and making the changes so that by the time you hit it, it's no longer the very stupid thing. That is how you deal with them. One plot hole, two plot holes, three plot holes, it doesn't matter. If they're linked, you just got to maintain the the focus, the drive, and the continuity of that you established from the very beginning. And that's where I, That's what I got.
0: All right. And uh, that is it for this week's episode, except for one thing. I'm going to mimic what is probably my all-time favorite television show, which is uh, PTI on ESPN. And Taylor, I'm sure you've never seen PTI. I have no idea what you're talking about. The interruption. But it's oh. guys <laughs> talking about sports and they talk about sports for about, well, roughly 30 minutes with commercials. It turns out to be 20 minutes. But at the very end, they have a section called errors where they correct errors and omissions. Oh, and great. You, what did I get wrong? You mentioned <laughs> what a flock of eagles. And oh, no did, I said I didn't know. what You I, did I say you me? didn't know. So I looked yeah. it up and it's actually okay. a soar of eagles or a convocation of eagles. The fact I that like you it wasn't flock is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know I don't know this. <laughs> All right. That well, is here's, cool. Here's, here's, and th- this is on Quora, by the way. Um, magpies have many names for their flocks, including, and I love this one, a mischief. A mischief <laughs> of magpies. That sounds like the title of a fun book. Yes, it does. That's
1: cool. But I like the convocation of eagles. That's awesome.
0: All right. So and I that... know the owls are a parliament. That's impressive.
1: And crows are
0: murder. How about a waddle of penguins?
1: All right. Um, and then... What else? While we're here, what else are there? I know mean, it's probably uh, a
0: flock a of geese. A bouquet of pheasants?
1: All right, now we're just getting ridiculous. <laughs> There's a somebody panther. out there is like, what what creative
0: name can I give this cluster of furry friend, feathered friends? <laughs> and the last one that I really like, a pandemonium of parents. Oh my god.
1: But it's so true!
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes, that's what makes so it makes so much sense. So that Thank ends that. our four part, who knows, maybe more coming later um, series on plot holes. So thank you guys very much for listening. We will be back with you again next week. Thanks for being here. See you next week.